Hello, hello. We're back. We're back, man. Two days, we're back. It's like fast turnaround these days. We're trying to get back on schedule, like Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. No more of this like Wednesday, Anil goes to Rio, Monday, then audio corruption, then Wednesday stuff anymore. Yep. Got to be consistent. Yeah. I kind of, I also kind of like lost my voice. We, uh, this, I like, I don't like to talk about like non Pokemon things on the pod, but like I coach soccer outside of Pokemon and we won our first championship in like seven years since I got to the school. And like I was just out all night last night just eating wings and screaming. So I sound like a frog and I apologize for sounding like a frog. And that's why Karen's going to carry this week, right, Karen? Exactly. Hey, uh, congrats on your big win, man. I'm actually surprised you. Ha- it took you seven years years to win, man. I thought you, you had some dubs before that. I've, uh, I appreciate it, bro. I've won almost everything else at the school. Like, I, I have, like, 10 or 11, like, championships. Just, I've never won. We've never won, like, the colleges and universities championship where you're, like, mm-hmm. playing against other colleges or universities. We've gone to the finals a few times. I'm, like, emotionally scarred. We had one year where we were up 2-0 in, like, the 82nd minute, and we ended up losing 3-2 by, like, the 90th. Just like absolute collapse. So, uh, yeah, bro. And we were up 2 0 last night in the 80th minute, and I was getting like flashbacks. Like, bro, it was crazy. Um, but I uh, I put together like a nice, like, Ray Lewis speech, like, before the game. I was practicing it in Rio. Like, that's how far back it was going. I was like, bro, I got to nice. hype up the boys. So, you're ready for the moment, man. He rose to the occasion. Bro, like, and this this actually does apply to Pokemon too. Like, sometimes you gotta just like go through hard stuff to get that dog in you, bro. Like, <laughs> you lose your winning ends a few times, and then you're a dog after that. It's character building. It's your canon moment. Hundred percent, bro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone goes through like that character development. Speaking nice, of man. which, um, let's look into like this week. We'll do a. We're gonna have a bit of a shorter episode here because obviously everyone just heard us like two days ago, but. Uh, this week, let's look into some results that happened in the last weekend. I know we touched on it a little bit, um, but not a whole lot. Let's look at the things that were not LAIC and kind of see how um, the meta evolved after the first blind format there, or the first blind tournament, sorry. Yeah, so we had two regionals. We had Gdansk out in Poland, uh, and then we had Brisbane over in Australia down under. So very different tournaments. Um, I think one consistent theme across both of them is I think Snorlax and Charizard had a great weekend. Uh, I was kind of surprised Charizard did so well, since in my opinion it has a bit of a weak Gardevoir matchup. But we did see, especially in Gdansk, uh, Gardevoir really struggled. So why don't we start there? And Neil, why do you think uh, Gardevoir had a tough time this weekend in Poland? I think Stall definitely has a lot to do with it. Um, I know your list played Turo. I know a lot of these top lists we're looking at also play Turo, but I also know that there's a lot of Guardies that did not play Turo and kind of like cheated through that. Um, I would think Stall definitely has something to do with it. And I also think that like, I don't think the Zard matchup is, is un- sorry, the Guardian matchup for Zard is unwinnable by any stretch of the imagination. Like, No, it's not. It's, it's just slightly unfavored. Yeah, so like, there's a chance that like these Zard players just kind of high rolled. They they also play Rotom V, which helps them set up a lot faster. So if you get up like super fast against Guardi, and and the other third thing I would say as well is, um, like we saw a lot of like TM Evo Charizard previously, and now we're seeing a lot of Pidgeot. So that also probably helps. Hmm. Yeah, I think Pidgeot's actually pretty important in the Gardevoir matchups, and so you can just stream Boss, especially if you get that turn two knockout. Uh, I found as the Gardevoir player, like, I always have to counter-catcher with a knockout Pidgeot, like, right away. 
Yeah. Um, I think a couple other things is Mew had a little bit of a resurgence. I think it got top four in Brisbane. It got two top eights in um, Gdansk. And then I'm trying to whether it actually did well. I think Tina did well still. Like I saw it a lot in the day two graphic. Um, Snorlax did well, but like I don't think Snorlax was like overwhelmingly being played. Um, yeah. So that'll be an interesting thing to talk about going forward here is maybe let's talk there. So like Snorlax had a good weekend. I remember like after LAIC, I thought Snorlax was in a great spot. Um, it has really strong matchups into the most of the field, and it kind of preys on weaker players. Um, since if you make yep. any mistakes for stall, it's very punishing. Um, so maybe going forward, do you think we're going to see a mini war index? Do you think Snorlax will see a big uptick in play? Um, I think historically, even when stall has been tier one, it doesn't see tier one play rates just because people in general don't like playing stall. It's like a completely different way to play Pokemon. So, uh, do you think Snorlax is going to be super popular going forward? Let's start there. Well, yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, you, you see what it did in, uh, in Europe and in Australia, like it's pretty good. And, and you take a really good matchup into Zard, obviously. So the Zard's doing mm-hmm. well also kind of catapult the Snorlax a little bit. Um, the one I, I was kind of surprised though about um, Snorlax in Europe, just because Europe is so heavy on Mew, as you, as we saw in the day two meta. Mew generally has a pretty decent matchup into uh, Snorlax stall. So uh, that was a little bit surprising to me. Uh, but I do think, I do think the meta will adapt. I think it's one of those things where like, people will go from not respecting it to respecting it. And then suddenly you see it's meta share kind of switch up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think Snorlax is pretty good. It's in a good spot, but I think once people start respecting it, I don't know if that's in the form of like mini or, I mean, even as a Snorlax stall player, you can, you can kind of appreciate how much one Turo on the other side kind of like switches the whole matchup as well. Right. So yeah, 100%. you might see, yeah, you might see like people respect it in different ways. Maybe not like the traditional way that we think of, but Maybe there's like other little texts people haven't found yet. Like I've been seeing that little sand shrew running around too. Have you seen that? Yeah, and the one that stops uh, what is it? Trainers from coming out of your discard. Yeah, it's something like that, and they they can't shuffle back in their deck. Yeah, yeah. I, so I just pulled up here the guy who won with Snorlax. He played against two Mews in eighteen rounds. He lost one. He tied one. So that makes sense. Yep. Uh, he lost to a Maridon. I mean that makes sense. They play switching cards, bunch of energies. And then just looking here, like, his top cut was Charizard, Charizard, Charizard. So, like, auto win, auto win, <laughs> auto win. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, yeah, like, it just seems like uh, he got a good meta for it. Um, he dodged some of the shaky matchups. Because, yeah, I just pulled up the day two meta share here from Gdansk. You had 20% Mew, 18% Maridon, 13% Charizard, and then you had 9% Snorlax in day two. So, I'm pretty Jesus. sure Snorlax converted at a, a very good rate, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think basically Snorlax has just proven now that it's here to stay. It's part of like the meta the meta now. Like I wouldn't be super surprised to see it take sixth or fifth on those like day one graphics going forward. Um mm. so yeah, if you want to counter Snorlax going forward, like you either have to play Minior or you have to just play like something like Turo and Gardevoir, for example. Um and like Snorlax is in this weird spot now where like it's no longer under the radar, it's respected. So like if you do take Snorlax to a tournament, it's kinda like when you used to play Mew, it's like people might be playing Drapion, they might be playing Spirit Tomb. So the meta yeah. is definitely gonna be a little more hostile for it. But it's just a game of like like chicken if like people are gonna put these tech cards in. And most people I mean, won't put them in, so yeah, there are also like little techs you can give to Snorlax as well that like can kind of catch people off guard. Like if you play like a really long game one and your opponent gets to the point where they're like pidgeotting back into their deck every turn, you drop a tomb, the game game just just over. <laughs> or like a path or something, like an unsuspecting path. Like you can kind of cheese out games with like a one card tech inclusion. 
So like, yeah, Minior is good, Sancho is good, but there's also like those like little sneaky techs that might uh might win you a game or two. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, also like, I think a lot of people like weren't practiced against Snorlax either, so they didn't really know what like cards were in the deck and what strategies to play around. So like now, I think at this point, like the cat's completely out of the bag. We have the guy from Top Eight at LAIC. We have the winner here from um, Poland, and then we have I think there was one. In- there's two in top cut of brisbane as well so there's yeah, tons of lists out there now so like everyone knows what's going on everyone should be aware now when they play against Snorlax. so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it does in san antonio and i think there's one regional before that in europe somewhere i can't remember where uh, is there stuttgart. oh i didn't even know yeah, that stuttgart uh, oh since stuttgart i've always wanted to go to stuttgart but it's so expensive bro you have yeah, that's uh it's, it's like a Germany, really right? big yeah, it's a really big yeah. soccer town in Germany. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Interesting. It'd be so dope, but it's yeah, so expensive cool. to get there. Yeah, actually, I want to make it out to a European regional uh, one of these days. I think it'd be cool. The The European cities they pick are, like, way cooler than most of the North American cities. Oh, 100%. The one I have my eye on right now is February 10th in uh, in Dortmund. That would be absolutely yeah. sick. That would be cool. But um, it's, the, the promise with the European regionals, for us at least, is they're, sometimes their caps are so low that you have no idea if you're going to get in or not. I mean, that's just the problem with Pokemon in general. Yeah, because, like, you want to book these flights, like, so far in advance, like, you don't know. So, the uh, I always joke the best thing about getting a travel stipend or travel award for, like, the ICs is you get guaranteed reg. Bro, the actually, though. secondary. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I know you, you got the UIC one, right? Yeah, I got 16th, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> chilling. <laughs> you see, like, I, I was thinking about it because it was just, like, obviously Black Friday, Cyber Monday just passed. I was thinking, like, all right, maybe I should book UIC or NAIC, but I can't even, like, rely on the fact that I'm I'm going to get in. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, play better, man. Get these travel stipends. Facts, bro. I got to start playing, like, a tr- like an absolute tryhard. You're going to catch me at every league challenge from now on because I don't want to yeah. fight for wretch. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny in uh, in Brazil. So, I got top four. I think top four is, like, 300-something points. And I remember yeah. Eden Coos and Rowan come up to me. And they're like, oh, you're currently in the stipend. I'm like, nice. And they're like, oh, you passed us by, like, 20 points or something. So, like, we both have to play in the, like, 200-person league. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You, and then, yeah. And then, like, I think Aiden got second or something, so he passed me. And then, like, Rowan missed top cut, so he didn't pass me. And, like, oh, I, so I remember, I think I was hanging out with you. Yeah, I was hanging out with you. And, like, we're, like, having, like, lunch at that, like, nice restaurant. And we're, like, <laughs> at that Boko to Batman name put. And I was thinking in my head, I'm, like, wait, I'm supposed to be playing in that League Cup, man. That's actually, like, a $1,000. But, <laughs> like, luckily, they didn't pass me. Because, you know, last season, if you get, like, top four at, EUIC, or at LAIC, you're just getting the travel award. But, like, this year, they put all these, like, League Cups and stuff. And, like, I think I only have points in, like, three League Cups, so. Yeah, yeah. It actually, like, really rewards, like, local warriors this year a little bit. Yeah. I and, mean, like, um, I don't really like that. I'm just going to say, like, the fact that you can have, like, six League Cups a quarter, like, not even for the year in the stipend, it, like, makes no sense. And, like, it's very weighted towards uh, people who play in, like, less competitive areas. Um, yeah. I understand why they do it because they want to promote local play. They want like top players showing up at locals, which I think is fine. But I think they should just cap it to like two locals a quarter for the stipend, probably. Um, that way it encourages playing your locals, but at the same time, it doesn't just become like a grind for the whole season. Yeah, I don't mind locals as a whole. Like I was kind of happy when it came back because it's just like a nice like chill way to play the game. But there's when there's that much emphasis on locals, it kind of feels bad because yeah, that's like the it problem, makes people like yeah. turn on each other. Yeah, it's just more so, like, you feel almost, like, obligated every weekend to be going to a League Cup, to be going to a League Challenge, and, like, you kind of lose some of that, that like, not work-life yeah. balance, but, like, Pokemon life balance, like... <laughs> yeah, it's just a real thing, bro. It's actually a real thing. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, I know I've like I haven't gone to a league cup in like probably like a month and a half. So I was just like, I'm like, I love playing Pokemon, but like I'm a bit burnt out. Like I need time to recharge, uh, especially after we we travel so much for these tournaments. So yeah, exactly. I, I've just been trying to like the way I do it is I wait for weekends where like I'm a little bit like more open and I try to just get things done. Like I try to get all my league cups out of the way, whatever, on like the weekends where I'm chilling, and then like maybe just live my life on the other weekends because like it's tough to really like budget it out right because you have like 10 months to finish these six league cups but you don't know when you're gonna get these finishes so i was all like right now i'm of the philosophy like just get these done and just chill for the rest of the year if you have to yeah i think we're at um the point where like i think they're less competitive than like the start of the year like you always see the very start like literally everyone's there oh it's nuts i mean people are still there now at league cups but yeah it's more manageable like at least in uh ontario we have like cups every weekend and sometimes they overlap so like you can go to the smaller ones now like small is still 20 30 people but it's more manageable yeah. it's not bad yeah and there's there's like a lot of league challenges and stuff so you can kind of go whenever you want like there's there's a league challenge at like 11 a.m on a thursday this week so i'm just like oh okay bet <laughs> bro's taking full advantage of the uh, unemployed life <laughs> bro unemployed diff is actually crazy like i'm starting working again in january and i'm actually dreading it like i just don't want to no, enjoy it. I don't want to do anything. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely helps. Like, I understand why people don't work and then play Pokemon full time. <laughs> like, it actually kind of makes sense to me now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, like, I've like I've done like the math of like Pokemon. Like, make like I've I've calculated. Like, I could probably like if I wanted to like do it as like a full time job. It just makes more sense though if you have like a normal career path. Like, it's it's less. Yeah. Uh, it, like Pokemon's just inconsistent. Like, it's harder to scale. Um, and you can usually like balance doing like Pokemon alongside like a normal career path, but well, yeah, that's like, the it's thing. sick like, like to just have it as your job, travel all the time. Like it's pretty fun. Yeah, like, you're guaranteed gonna make less money if you just play Pokemon, but it would be kind of cool as a job. Like it's like one of those things you're like, all right, whatever. If I made like thirty, forty k less to just play Pokemon full time, whatever, I can survive. Yeah, that's pretty much the <laughs> calculations I came. To. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so brutal. It's so brutal. But it honestly, like this year, at least they made it a bit more. Uh, not like affordable, but like you're making way more money back. Well, bro, what's it called? That one LAIC I made more in prize money than I did all of last year. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. Uh, Me too, actually. Yeah, that's, that's insane. I never really yeah. thought about it like that. So, it's pretty good. No, it's actually now um, if you're a good player, like you can actually make decent money, which is which is really cool. Like, uh, oh, hundred percent. And it's even even then, like even if you're like top thirty-two in a regional, like you pretty much just paid for your trip plus probably another regional. So, mm-hmm. no, it's like good stuff now. And that's why this this segues us very nicely into what the next thing I wanted to talk about. Because um, Tord was just like, yo, I just want to have fun this weekend. And he, he travels and plays this game for a living, right? So he's just like, all right, I'm just going to have fun this weekend, do whatever. And then bro top eight it with like the weirdest list I've ever seen. So <laughs> he made a lot of money to have fun. Yeah, I had no idea what the heck was going on with his deck, to be honest. Uh, I'm sure it's good because he made it, but... Like, he plays Palkia V-Star, which I'm like, okay. I don't, I still don't really understand logic, but he doesn't play any way to search it out. So I'm like, how are you drawing the V-Star? Yeah, I understand what this is now, though, I think. I think I understand the deck more. It's basically because, like, you're churning through your deck with Kyogre, right? Like, your endgame against, like, Maridon or something is, is to Kyogre. So eventually, you're going to hit your V-Star if you're just milling through your whole deck. And the idea is you're just setting up Kyogre, like, kind of easier and like that's the whole idea behind the v-star because at first i was like this doesn't make any sense but then i realized like okay you no longer need to gate twice like you can just literally just one recycler in an empty deck and you're aqua storming for full value 
Yeah, but I mean, like, you can just boss the Palkia, I feel like. Also, like, doesn't this deck just have a horrible Charizard matchup? Uh, hypothetically, yeah. I think so. But you can also uh, stream, like, moons and stuff. It yeah, might not be terrible. True. I mean, I haven't played this, so, like, I want to reserve judgment. Like, I'm sure it's actually, like, decent. I just, like, from just looking at it on my on my own, like, I can't really see the vision. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it makes some sense. Maybe I'll go back and watch the stream game, because I didn't really watch the stream this weekend. I mean, it was a thousand-person regionals. Like, it wasn't Mickey by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, like, he, I, I know that for sure, yeah. Yeah, he did quite well with this. Um I don't know, it was weird. Like I played uh, I was playing at a cup on the weekend and my first two rounds I hit this deck and it was Sunday. And I was like, How did you guys even like get this? Like they had the deck and they were just play Yeah, and it, dude, it was terrifying. Like playing against it is actually terrifying. Because there's so many like I obviously knew what the deck was. There's so many different threats. And like yeah, like there was just so many different things I had to like kinda watch out for. Like you had like the hands, the the moon. And then there was like a Kyogre at the end of the game. I was like, what the hell is going on here? There's so much happening and it's low-key kind of scary. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a lot of these decks, like we always talk about, it's more so like the surprise factor too. Like if you sit down and you start seeing like a Palkia in like a Lost Box deck, you don't know what you're, what's in store for you. So I'm sure he'd, he'd benefit a little bit from that. Um, but yeah, so definitely a cool build from Tord. Uh, the other cool deck I kind of wanted to talk about in top four here was robin schultz played charizard but he played rotom v and no radiant charizard so definitely a different build from what we're used to um yeah. so what do you think about the rotom v and the charizard deck i actually really rate rotom like i love this card just just overall i think so many more decks could use it obviously it's a bench setter it's kind of sitting duck but it's sick man just the just the ability to just draw three at the end of your turn is actually really really strong so I like it. Uh, I don't know how I feel about no Radzard. That feels kind of bad. But having Rotom V and just like it, one of the main issues with Zard a lot is you're bricking, right? You're, you need your combo deck. You need yep. your rare candy Charizard, rare candy Pidgeot, whatever. Having that draw three at the end of your turn is actually huge. Because if your hand is dead, you're A, drawing three, and B, you're being like, all right, I own me. It did something fresh. So I really like it. I like the build. This build is like specifically really susceptible to path which is kind of scary. You, I know you play three Lost City, two Vacuums, you have four Arvins, but um, you have to think that you're burning through these somewhat at the beginning of the game. And since you're just so susceptible to path, like your deck kind of falls apart, you have to like do what Robin did here where you max out your outs. So he did a great job maxing out his outs. This archetype in general is very susceptible to path, but this version seems a little bit less susceptible, I suppose. So I like that as well. Uh, there's a couple pretty good innovations here, and it's a different way to play Zard, which is uh, which is cool because we haven't seen like a new like Zard build since the TM one came out. So it's pretty sick. Yeah, no, I think it was cool. Uh, I think too, like it's a bench sitter, like it's a liability, but like I swear, like half the decks in the format can one shot anything. So who really cares if you have Rotom Yeah, fish? Fish and you have fish there anyways. Yeah, and fish. Yeah. So yeah, a little extra juice, kind of reminiscent of the Rotom and the Chen Pao that Jared Grimes used to play. So. Interesting stuff. And then the last deck I want to talk about from Top Cut, the most interesting surprise deck. This was number one seed, I think, in Poland, was the Palkia deck with Ice Rider Calyrex and Suikunvi. So I don't think this deck was on anybody's radar. Um, I don't even think I've played a tournament where Ice Rider's been meta. So uh, That's crazy. Yeah, like, Anil, what do you think about this? Why do you think this deck had some success this weekend? 
I actually really like this. I'm like looking at it and I really like it. This deck gives me like Shades of Maridon a little bit. Just because you're like super aggressive with four Melanies, four Iridas, whatever. Like you can go in with a Suicune similar to how you can go in with a Raikou. And the uh, the Ice Rider is obviously really, really good into Maridon as well. So coming off of a, an IC where Maridon won the event in, in, in two different divisions, you obviously needed to respect the deck. And the deck actually does, like, despite being a water deck on paper, you're like, okay, this probably gets folded by Maridon. It's actually really good into Maridon. Because if you set up the Calyrex, it's basically, here you go, here's a Calyrex, kill me with a Raichu or you lose. So that's pretty good. And then if you, for whatever reason, like, prize one, of pe- one piece of the Calyrex ever discarded or whatever, you still have Palkius. So you can still just get into this, like, one-shot war back and forth over and over. So I really like the deck. I don't know how this does into... The shades of like Guardi, but mm-hmm. it seems pretty strong other than that. So I'm looking here at the his name is Luke Kirkham. He went five one one against Maridon. So your assessment that this is good against Maridon is probably correct. He played against zero Gardevoirs. So we don't have a way to test that. <laughs> uh, on paper, the matchup seems close. He does play the canceling clone cross switcher play, which historically has been very strong against Gardevoir. So maybe that matchup is winnable I, it still probably feels slightly unfavored to me um because you're only playing with two prizes and like the but i mean like i guess if you go first like you take a knockout then you pull off the cross switch your play at some point so i don't know maybe it's okay against Gardevoir, but yeah it's very interesting um i guess palkia just in general it's like good into these i don't know like not single like stay uh basics decks so i mean like it looks like he he did well he beat some valiance here Hold on, I'm looking at his, his who he played. He played like Mew four times, Maridon seven times, Valiant twice, Snorlax once. The, the first time he faced an evolution deck was top four against Charizard. That's crazy. I feel like this is deck... like. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, uh, go I was going to say, this, this, is, um, this is just strengthening our, our Tom theory. That's all this is doing. <laughs> yeah. Because I was going to say, like, I don't even know how this deck beats Charizard because you're not one shotting it. And I'm not, not sure it water. does, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, he lost to it in top four. Uh, I'm yeah. sure this deck was on stream at one point, so maybe I can go back and watch. But, I mean, yeah, it seems like he kind of pre- correctly predicted the meta a bit there. Um, if actually, does... you know what? You know what? Um, Ice Rider is actually deceivingly good into Charizard, I think. How come? Because you're tanking hits. Like, Charizard can't really do anything about it. Yeah, I guess like, that's if you do, If you sit there and you just ride of the High King... And then, obviously, you haven't really killed much to that point. Even if you take one prize, whatever, they can't really touch anything on your board if you haven't benched a fish. That's pretty good, actually. You're just like a bunch of high HP Pokemon, just like two-shotting Zards, and then when you need to, you just have a Hailblade from uh, from Pow, or you can just Greninja uh, around maybe a couple Pidgeys or something. You also have Mew I feel like it's like or... almost Yeah, I feel like it's almost impossible to Hailblade. Like, that's too many energy, but like, I can see Mew EX maybe at the end. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I feel like it I is was... possible to Hailblade because you can you can start Portal three and then you have four Melanies, right? Maybe you can. You can do it once, but then like you have no energy left. I feel like. Oh yeah, you're definitely not doing it more than once. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, in theory, the matchup is probably unfavored, but what you're saying like actually makes sense. I mean, that's a path. But also, like we saw the two most popular decks in day two were Maridon and Mew. They made up about forty percent of the meta, and it seems like this deck does very well against Maridon and Mew. And just looking at what he played against, he did very well against Maridon and Mew. So. <laughs> Uh, fantastic meta call here. Um, I don't really think this deck will probably see much play going forward. I think it's uh, a little mix of like matchups plus just a good meta for it. 
but it is cool to see that like you can pull out a deck like Palkia uh, and do well with it. So shout yeah, out to Luke I'm, here. Really, really. I'm really tempted to try this. It seems really cool. And like yeah. the other thing is too, and the one thing I do like about this into Guardi, and I just thought about this, is that your fish is actually live. Like you yeah, can you fish return. Yeah. And into like a tomb or something. And I feel like this even, you could probably beat Mew without the tomb, but the fact you have the tomb, that's such a strong matchup. Yeah, 100%. I think maybe mm. the only other thing to talk about is we saw a huge resurgence in Mew this weekend. Um, I was a little surprised since I do think Mew has probably like a slightly unfavored Gardevoir matchup, especially the DT version. Um, mm. But no, it did really well. So uh, I think that's maybe a call out to a strong Maridon matchup. Um, and then we also saw a lot of Charizards do well this weekend, which I think kept Mew from, from getting a win. But uh, going forward, do you think we might see Drapion and Spiritomb make their way back into decks? Yeah. As resident Mew sexual, I do like this. But I also think that, like, I think I think what you said is correct. I think Mew just, like, kind of walked into the correct meta. And, and, like, it does this. Like, this this deck has been doing this for over a year now, like, where it just, like, shows up randomly into the right meta and just tears up. So... I think it's in a good spot. I actually don't hate the Guardi matchup if you're uh, Fusion Mew. Because you yeah, can just I think play. Better, yeah. yeah, if you play three in combination of Path and Lost City, eventually one is probably going to stick. And either one is like absolutely devastating to a Guardi player. So yeah. it feels good. Like I, I actually feel like the, the matchup's not too bad. And I think Fusion Mew over like overall across the board is stronger. But like we've seen this in the past where DT Mew kind of just does well and just does well into kind of everything as opposed to having a uh, like a more defined matchup spread just because judge path is a win con against maybe everything but also maybe nothing so dt mew all around is kind of like it's kind of like more like the wild card but i think i actually think fusion mew is really really strong right now the the deck is more jank like internally and, and functionally like it's definitely more jank there's a lot of more unplayable hands but overall like just looking at it on paper it actually seems really really strong so i think yeah i think there's a there's a good chance you're gonna see some spirit tombs you're gonna see some drapeons you're gonna see some hate and that's that's just what mew does bro that's just what it does yeah i don't think we're gonna see the drapeons pulled out but i think we'll see the spirit tombs pulled out because spirit tombs actually a pretty strong counter against the snorlax deck too because he shut off rotom yeah um and you and they can't trap spirit tomb active because spirit tombs attack puts it back in the hand so uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. And I do I do agree with you. I like Fusion Mew better. I just think having the option to Malawetta, like a turn one take knockouts is really strong. Uh, I think one version of Mew that's interesting that I don't think is caught on is Rowan played DT Mew with Crushing Hammers. <laughs> um, I saw he put out a deck guide on YouTube, so go check that out if you're, if you're curious. Uh, he basically says that if you can Crushing Hammer against Gardevoir, you can stop Mirage Tap and against Charizard, it helps slow them down, so... Or run them out of energy. So I thought it was interesting. I don't know if it's actually that strong. He seems to be adamant it is. So maybe if you like Mew, that's another another version you can uh, go check out. The one thing I didn't like about the hammers in Mew, and like this may be like a a non-issue, but in theory, there's a lot of times where those hammers are kind of dead. And I don't mean dead in the sense that like they're not doing anything. I mean dead in the sense that you literally can't play them. Because there's no energy or That's whatever. That's true. They clunk, they clunk your hand. Yeah. Like you think about playing against, I don't know, like like Chen Pao where they just blow their energies off every turn. Like what are you doing? You're just stuck. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I still prefer, I think, DT Mew with Grabber. I think Grabber is actually really strong in a Charizard. Like Judge Path Grabber is kind of insane. So 
I'm not I'm not saying his build is uh inferior by any means, but in my head I think Grabber's still kind of better. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is we're seeing Charizard shift back to the Pidgeot version. It seems like the Bibril version isn't people's preferred way to play it, at least looking at the results this weekend. So um the DTE or not the DTE Mew Grabber Luxray is much stronger against that version than it's against Bibril. So oh, if you want to play DTE Mew, probably go with that. So, okay, one last question I want to ask you before we hop off at some point, but um, how do you, how would you adapt Guardi to this, uh, to what you're seeing here? Like, especially with your, let's, let's take your build, for example, the no VIP build. Are you playing VIP passes now? Like, wh- what's kind of your stance on this whole thing? Uh, I'm not 100% sure I would, like, switch to it, but I actually, I probably think VIP pass is stronger. I think the meta has shown that we're shifting to a little bit more aggression. Um, so we're seeing Rhydon see an uptick in play, seeing Mew see an uptick in play. So um, just having the option to go turbo and like get that turn two Guardi, I think is pretty strong right now. But it's not like you can't play the no VIP version. Like I don't think Valiant really took off. Like like Maradon's popular, but it's like you can still probably afford to Mirage Step as long as you go first. They don't get turn one hands, so. Mm-hmm. I'm like still split. I, I feel like bad not having a definitive answer. I just I really enjoy playing the you no know, VIP build because it has space for all the text. Like I can fit in my Professor Turl, like I can fit in um Screamtail and Cresselia. I just like having options to beat every matchup. Like I just like having the options that like I can play every matchup, which is why I like playing the no VIP build. Um Yeah. So that's fair. I personally as a player, like I would probably still stick with my no VIP build. Um but like I, I actually can't definitively say which one is better right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like I, I don't know. I've tried both of them obviously, and I know you have extensively as well. Um, it just feels like the no VIP build plays the game a tiny bit less, just because you're more susceptible to like that turn one like rope death on your only Ralts. So I think like I think obviously both ways are very fair and very valid. I just think that it depends on what your meta is. Like, your meta is like locally, right? If you're if you're in a meta with more aggressive decks where you think one or maybe two Ralts are going to be knocked out before you can really set up, you might have to play the VIP build just to ensure you get multiple down. But if you're in a if you're in a format where, and like in a meta, sorry, where there's a lot of guardy, there's a lot of like slower decks like Chen Pao and stuff, I think you can afford to play the no VIP pass build. I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, it makes sense to me. I mean, I will say like I don't think you play the game less in the sense that like. It's because you're like one world to get knocked out. It's just if you prize Mirage Step, you have a lot. Not uh, you have a lot of trouble setting up. <laughs> um, yeah, you kind of just lose, right? Because it's like it's it's a trade off. Because it's like once you get past this, like the Mirage Step turn, like the no VIP build gets way stronger because you're playing less dead cards. You're playing more impactful cards. Mm-hmm. We also played Luminion, which the other builds usually don't play. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a trade off, but. Uh, Either yeah. way. Fish you, feels really strong. Well. I really like yeah. Fish in that deck. Me too. Especially when I play Taro and Collapsed. So. Yeah, true. And then I, I guess your your matchup into Charizard would probably be inherently better as well because they're more of like a setup deck as well. So you kind of, yeah, you trade off a little bit. So I guess in this format, no VIP pass is still fine. Um, yeah. But like, it'll be interesting, right? Like these are still, and this is going to be a long format. This is a very long format until UIC, which is in effectively like four or five months. So yeah, we're stuck April, with right? these cards. Yeah. 
we're stuck with these cards for a long time. So this is a very young format. It's still kind of evolving. And I'm thankful that it's not as like tier zero as it was last year where Lugia just ran over everything for five months. So it feels like, and like you can look at results now, you look at even LAIC results, like there's so many different decks doing well. And honestly, it's, it's healthy. It's I'm, I'm happy for it. I like seeing decks like Palkia Ice Rider show their, their yeah. face sometimes. It's kind of refreshing. So I think we're going to be yeah. in for a good run for the next few months. Uh, I know in about two months, people are going to be sick of it, but is what it is yeah i think i'm a little bit concerned because i think it's the same as last year where our next set is like a reprint set or something so like it's not going to shake up the meta a lot which i don't really understand like i hate the pokemon does that like yeah. uh because i think yeah is the next set the one where it has all like the nice shiny pokemon like the yep. um paldea fates yeah so i mean the art looks amazing like all the leaks i've seen of it i'm like wow like, these are some nice cards like i saw the gardevoir i saw i think iono today mm-hmm. uh, wait there's an iono like, now yeah, it just came out like probably like, thirty minutes before we were recording this. Uh, okay. I think that I saw some like shiny Frigidbacks and Excalibur. I'm like, yo, these are all dope, but these don't change the game at all. So, yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope people are ready to play another like four months of this format. So, well, I think the one card that does come out that does change a lot of things is that like Pro Guardy Stadium. Oh, the Moonlight Hill. Yeah, that's gonna be really good. I think that's what it's called. Because uh, I think they have it in Japan, right? They've had it for like six months. See, like, that makes no sense to me. Why do they get it for six months? It's, uh, yeah, discard a basic energy, heal 30. So basically That's it lets ridiculous. Arcana get seven. Uh, no, wait, it lets it get eight, right? So, yep, yeah, you yep. put 120, you got a 90, then you, yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. And you're discarding energy. Like, it's just ridiculous. Okay, yeah, this, this card seems crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and like, I don't know, it's not like Guardy needed to get stronger, so, I mean, whatever. Hope you guys yeah. like Guardy. I mean, I don't think this will be like a, a change that much, but like, yeah, this is like a at least a one of maybe. But I, I think like this probably like collapsed. This probably replaces your collapsed, right? Or do you think uh, it replaces your Artisan? I mean, both of those cards are good. This maybe replaces Vacuum. Maybe it replaces uh, Worker. Oh, you don't even play Worker, do you? No, I, I play Worker. Oh, I don't do? know what this replaces, but I'm sure this will find a spot in the deck. <laughs> this replaces <laughs> something for sure. It's good. I think yeah. from what I saw that that was the only like new card that was like super impactful. So. I mean, Guardy gets stronger to the dismay of tons of people, but I think Guardy's a healthy deck. It, it rewards the best players. The best players do well with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, uh, agreed. As a Guardy enjoyer okay. myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to force myself to be a Guardy enjoyer, but um, it's I don't know. It's tough. I find it to be a lot more like variance heavy than a lot of the decks in the format. Um, eh, I don't think it's more variance heavy than the other ones. Like I, I don't know. I feel like decks like Maradon, Roaring Moon, like they have stuff like sequencing, like getting generator like chen pao has like you need to hit irida pokey stops yeah uh, the one thing i liked about um about maridon just since i've like hopped on it and like it's kind of the same with Mew, is that it feels like you play the game every game which i really like just because you're a basic deck yeah. right you start with like a nest ball and suddenly like your whole board is filled i really like that because i felt that um especially at laic i was able to kind of take advantage of when my opponents weren't doing that so just having like a, a more aggressive deck like lets you take advantage of maybe people starting one Ralts and like people starting like one fridge backs. Like you're kind of running over decks like that. And I, I really like that because you have that that confidence that when you go into a match, like you're like, okay, there's a 99% chance I get to at least play the game. Yeah, 100%. I like that. And I do like that a lot of the like aggro decks at least have some element of like sequencing skill to it. Like 
uh, I was doing a coaching session today and like uh, the junior I coach was playing Roaring Moon and like yes it's a fairly simple deck but we were like going through like a million different lines like how to optimize like by like one or two percent like hitting the card he needed every turn yeah whenever I do like a I play Chen Pao or like I'm teaching someone how to play Chen Pao I'm like oh you have to like stop at this point in the turn you have to Greninja here or like you irritate here to like increase your odds so I do think all the decks are at a do require like a decent amount of skill to pilot them them great like there's not one deck where i'm like hey this takes like no skill at all yeah um, and i haven't maybe, like, maybe seen... snorlax <laughs> yeah <laughs> i haven't seen anybody like on stream recently or like anybody in real life that i've been like okay how the hell is this person doing well this person sucks like <laughs> i haven't seen that in a long time it seems like the all the players that are doing well are, are like very well practiced with their builds or oh are bro just, you should like... watch my round 12 against giratina at laic is it tough oh bro i was playing so bad <laughs> you were playing bad or they were playing yeah, bad i was playing bad oh <laughs> <laughs> but it's stream it's kind of different like you almost expect a margin of error on stream yeah yeah no i'm just just joking around <laughs> like i watch i watch streams sometimes and i'm like oh i could do so much better than that person but then you realize uh like you're you're in the moment it's like i don't know man like it's it's hard it's really i find it really really difficult and i think this is a general thing of people who've been on stream or go on stream often or whatever it's like you have so much more empathy for the other people on stream because you know how tough it is with that noise in your ear and like the, the yeah. crowd and stuff 100 percent. Yeah. yeah so I, I don't i don't flame you too much for that i made some mistakes on stream too like it happens it. all the time yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah like in general it feels like the the strong players are, are the ones doing well right now and i really like that for a format i think that's healthy and the other thing is too is obviously like that picks on weaker players a little bit more, but it also motivates weaker players. Like it, it lets weaker yeah. players be like, okay, I need to actually like put in time to get better, and I can't like cheat my way through things. Because there's been formats where you can kind of like quote unquote cheat your way through things, where you're playing like Toad or something, and you're just like, okay, whatever. Like I'm just gonna play a disruption deck. I'm gonna play a deck that doesn't really require me to learn any fundamental skills or anything. So I think as a whole, this is healthy because it makes everyone better as well. Yeah. I agree 100%. So, no, I've been really enjoying Pokemon the past year, to be honest. I think the game... I mean, like, I, I kind of took a break when, like, the Sword and Shield era started, but, like, it just seemed like... Even, like, when I just got back, like, it just seemed like the game was in such a, a rough spot, but I think the game has been really fun in the past year. Like, I think a lot of the cards, uh, the cards like Iono, Countercatcher, uh, just made the deck really... Or the game really fun. So I'm really happy with where the game's at right now. I concur. With that, uh, we will sign off for this week. I think we've discussed the hell out of <laughs> these uh, these regionals, which is good. We we have a good starting point on what we think the format's going to be, and I'm excited to see what happens in the coming weeks. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's looking to be pretty diverse, pretty fun, and I'm excited to see what comes out of these late nights, what comes out of these like big online tourneys this week, because it just seems like every time we look, there's a new archetype doing well that maybe we didn't expect. Yeah, 100%. And I think for both of us, we're not going to a big tournament for a while, so... Yeah, uh, we can kind of kick back, see how the matter evolves, and we'll just be some local grinders for the next few months. It certainly feels nice to chill and not have to dust off my passport. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll be nice for us to just kind of hang out. So, yeah, no, I'm excited. We will uh, we'll regroup next week and we'll see where it goes. And I thank you as always to everybody for tuning in. I know it's a short week, couple days in between episodes, but hopefully the content falls upon uh, willing ears. So. We will see everyone next week, uh, next Wednesday. We're back to our regular schedule. Uh, I think it was, what, 5 p.m. we normally release? I should probably know this. It's 12 p.m. normally, but... Uh, Oops. Sure, Oops. it's 5 p.m. <laughs> I, I swear I'm a co-host of this podcast, I swear. 
No, we're gonna we're gonna stick with whatever <laughs> we do normally, which is apparently not what I'm familiar with, but we will figure it out. Thank you, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, later, everyone. Peace.